you are now listening to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast with Dr. Taylor Crick. Dr. Taylor is an expert in helping those suffering with autoimmune disease, and he himself has autoimmune disease. Autoimmunity is rampant today, and the purpose of this podcast is to educate about the underlying causes and natural solutions to halt autoimmune disease progression. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For more information from Dr. Taylor, visit www.autoimmunedocpodcast.com. Without further ado, here is your host, Dr. Taylor Crick. All right, welcome to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Taylor Crick, and I love teaching and uh, breaking down the mechanisms behind chronic and complex diseases. So if this is your first ever episode, then then you know that's what we do. If you've heard some of the others, then you kind of know that. We talk about the mechanisms behind autoimmunity, behind you know just the rise of, of neurologic diseases, the rise of neurodevelopmental diseases. What is it? I think uh, six out of 10 Americans has a chronic condition and four out of 10 Americans have more than one. So anyway, that's what we do here on this podcast. Today's episode is going to be great because it's about sinuses. And I think that this is a cool topic. It's something that I have a lot of expertise in from my personal experiences. I have healed all my sinus issues. Now, for years, literally years, I used to knock on wood every time I said that because I was like, hey, I've healed them, knock on wood, you know, just still kind of scared, like, oh, I don't want them to come back. But now it's been years. It's been many, many years since I have had sinus issues. And so I would say that they are, they're healed. But I think that this is this topic, you know, I have a very close finger on the pulse of, of you know, what's happening in the functional medicine world and in the, in the health world and the medicine world just in general. And this is gaining traction. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, in the 2000s, meaning like the early 2000s, it was all about gut, right? And leaky gut. And, you know, if you've, if you've studied anything with autoimmunity, you've heard about leaky gut. But now sinuses are, are gaining some traction, sinuses, nose, throats, um, yeah, and and you know how many people have stuffy noses? How many people have allergy symptoms? It's one of the most common things that I see clinically. It's one of the most common things that's out there in the world. But talking about it in its relation to making somebody sick, you know, the nose is another barrier, just like the gut, the sinuses. That's a barrier. The lungs. That's a barrier. And if you don't have good barrier integrity, things are going to get in. And that's the major one of the major avenues and one of the major root causes of autoimmune uh, autoimmunity. So let me backtrack and say, with autoimmunity, they look at gut a lot of like food particles get in, and then when those gluten particles get in through the leaky gut, through the intestinal permeability, then the immune system mounts an attack against those, and then there can be cross reactivity against your tissues, and your body loses tolerance. It's called losing oral tolerance and then your body loses self-tolerance. Well, what if you've lost tolerance to things that are airborne? You know, we eat three times a day or whatever it is, but we breathe 3,000 gallons of air each day. So I do think that this is gaining some traction as a root cause driver of inflammation. You know, epithelial inflammation is epithelial inflammation and it drives neuroinflammation. It drives autoimmune progression. And so I, I do think that this is gaining some traction and just getting really popular. I'm going to talk through four levels. This might not be that long of a podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I'm going to talk uh, through four levels 
of you know what can you do to heal your own sinuses, but the main thing is talking about some of these underlying overall concepts. So, and, and yeah, again, in the autoimmune world, let's say 100 people listening to this have X, Y, or Z symptom that they might come to me for. How many of those people are going to have stuffy noses? It's going to be most of them. How many people take their Claritins and Zyrtex all year long? It's so, so, so common. And obviously, I'm a mold guy, but we're going to talk about a lot more than just mold today uh, with the, the sinus and lung barrier. So the next thing that I want to say is that ENTs, ear, nose, and throat doctors, with all due respect, I suppose, are the worst. Out of all the specialists, you know, at least a neurologist is going to run an MRI. At least a cardiologist is going to give you a Holter monitor. At least, you know, people are looking for things. An ENT often sticks their stethoscope up there and puts you on a steroid and an antibiotic nine times out of 10. Nine times out of 10 steroid and antibiotic. Occasionally, they'll go and look for things. They might do a CT scan. But like the standard of care in ENT is just like follow this mainstream and, and very rarely are they willing to look outside of the box? Very rarely have they helped anybody when they come into my practice. They've often been to multiple ENTs, and I've been to ENTs. I, you know, I've had multiple reconstructive surgeries on my nose or different surgeries, septoplasties. Um, I've also had tubes put in and out of my ears, like you know, ten times at, at, at least. So I, I knew my ENT, you know, on a first name basis growing up. Um, so it, that that that's a. Uh, and I, I never called him his first name, but I knew him very, very well. Um, but anyway, so ENTs, and again, bless their hearts. I'm sure they're great people, but a lot of you are probably like nodding your head at home. I'm just trying to not sound like a jerk, but they don't do much for people. Antibiotics and steroids are standard, and they very, 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 very rarely look for anything deeper, anything that, that we're about to talk about, and very rarely you know, even get any great results. Now, there is one exception in the ENT world, and his name is Dr. Donald Dennis. Dr. Don Dennis, I just saw him speak at a seminar last week, and he's a boss. He's, he's older. I don't know how old he is, but he's been doing this for a long time. And basically, to make a long story short, what he realized was all these people that kept coming into him, they're just they're breathing bad air. They're breathing moldy air, and they had fungal colonization of their sinuses. There was a, fa- a very famous Mayo Clinic study that showed that in, in chronic sinusitis, 94% of those nasal cultures had fungal components to them. That's not to say that it was exclusively a fungal infection, but how are ENT symptoms treated? They are treated with antibiotics every single time, 10 times out of 10. What does that not kill? That doesn't kill fungal stuff. So and it also develops antibiotic resistance and Marcons and things like that that we're going to talk about. But Dr. Don Dennis, his website is www.sinusitiswellness.com. Sinusitis Wellness. A lot of the things I'm even going to talk about today are his products. I use his his products in my clinic, I, uh, his mold candles, his uh, uh, fogger, um, you know, just different things that we'll talk about. But Dr. Don Dennis might be the only exception. Maybe there's others out there. Um Again, you breathe 3,000 gallons of air a day, so I think that it's really, 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 really important. And I think that we all know that air can be toxic. We know that cigarette smoke is toxic. We know that air pollution is, is toxic. But there's, there's three things that, that, we, that we breathe in and, and that happen in the sinuses. One is pathogens, okay? So we're going to talk about this, and pathogens are things like strep, staph, mold, 
you know, living things that can be cultured or, you know, you know that, that, are, that are colonizing, that are replicating, that are driving inflammation, etc. Pathogens is one. Two is just irritants. So like dust or particulate matter, you know, and when they measure air quality, they, there's two different tests. One's a particulate matter 10.0 and one's a PM 2.5, excuse me, 2.5, which is particulate matter that's 2.5 microns or less, which are the smallest ones, which are the most dangerous. So like in Salt Lake where I used to live, there'd be days, like there was a day this winter that I got a text. I still get all the weather texts from there and stuff. But there was a day this winter that the air quality was in the red. So the red means that there's a very, very high amount of PM 2.5, of particulate matter 2.5. But that's things like dust, grass, like so mowing the yard or something, or like pet dander or things like that. And you can certainly develop an allergy to these things, an IgE allergy, true allergy, but a lot of times they're just irritants, so they're irritating that tissue. And then the third thing that we get in, in air and stuff that we breathe are toxins. So pathogens, irritants, and toxicants. So that'd be things like from air pollution or, you know, if you uh, like heavy metal fumes. Let's say you're a welder and you're breathing in heavy metal fumes all day, every day. Well, that's going to inflame your brain. In fact, one of my most complex patients years ago, you know, as as you evolve and practice, you kick yourself as you learn things. And this person was a welder and she she has crazy autoimmunity and I didn't really know how to help her. And we were on the right track, don't get me wrong. But now if she came into my office, I'd be like, ding, ding, ding. Like, think about what you're doing. Think about exactly where that's getting to. And you're not eating that toxin. It's not coming in through your gut. It's the eyes, it's the sinuses, it's the lungs that, that are where those, uh, where those toxins are getting in. So that's heavy metals, that's air pollution, that's things like aldehydes, formaldehyde, and off-gassing, you know, off-gassing of electronics, off-gassing of sofas, off-gassing of carpets. I have a formaldehyde meter that we talk about on the podcast, so we let people borrow, and my carpet in my office had a, had a high formaldehyde. Um, and there's even a, a subgroup of, of Alzheimer's. They're calling inhalational Alzheimer's from breathing things in like mold toxins, mycotoxins, um, or heavy metals or other neurotoxins because they, they, they go in the brain. That's the next thing to talk about too is that, you know, let's say somebody comes in with a brain symptom. Well, okay, it's, very, it's been very popularized over the last 25 years to look in their gut, right? Because a gut on fire equals a brain on fire. And a leaky gut equals a leaky brain. And I'm looking at gut for everybody. But I think that the new new is this sinus stuff because the sinuses are right across the wall from the brain. So if this if there's a lot of, you know, noise happening in the sinuses, there's you're gonna hear it in the brain. And if there's a lot of inflammation happening in the sinuses, it goes right to the brain. So things like cytokines. Things like mycotoxins can just go right up the olfactory bulb. In fact, I've heard it called recently the olfactory bulb elevator because it's just you get a free ride right up to the brain and then you get inhalational Alzheimer's or you get, let's say it's not Alzheimer's. What I see in my practice is a lot of what we call limbic system dysfunction where people have PTSD, people have pituitary issues, people have amygdala issues with fear and anxiety and like these new, sometimes irrational fears. And they're like, I didn't used to be like this, but something is triggering these deep midline areas of the brain. I always say that when I talk about them, I say deep midline areas like, you know, 20 times a week, because that, that 
the point of it being deep and midline is that that's right across the wall from the sinuses. So right up the olfactory bulb. So the things like the optic chiasma, the pituitary gland, the hippocampus, which does memories and, and which would be Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, and, and what did I say? Pituitary, amygdala, hippocampus, um, basal ganglia, you know, Parkinson's. Uh, so very, 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 very important for neuroinflammation is decreasing this, this sinus inflammation. So the next thing, and, and I guess maybe I'll just throw this in here, but testing for this is really hard. You know, testing for sinus stuff or finding, like, first off, like I already mentioned, finding somebody that's willing to do the testing is basically impossible. I mean, you're not going to get an ENT to even entertain these conversations. But there are different things you could do. Even Don Dennis, you know, we sell mold plates that are like $30 for six of them, I think, something like that, something really reasonable. And you can swab your nose and, and swipe it on this mold plate and see what's growing in there. But again, you know, I, let's and let's group it into two different people. People with sinusitis, that's my guess as to who's going to be attracted to this episode. But also people without sinusitis. If you don't have sinusitis, maybe this episode's not relevant unless you have neuroinflammation because some of these sinus infections can be asymptomatic. Uh, fungal rhinosinusitis, fungal things can be asymptomatic. Staph can be asymptomatic. Marcons are, are often asymptomatic. Strep can be asymptomatic. Now, it can rear its ugly head every once in a while, like, oh, yeah, I get a strep throat every winter or something like that. But a lot of times those pathogens are lying in there in biofilms and just driving mild inflammation. And then when, when the immune defenses go down, then they might turn higher activity and then you get strep throat, you get an ear infection, you get an upper respiratory infection of some sort, but they, they might be in there all the time. So... Okay, so here's some important things about the sinuses. So, okay, so let's go to infections and sinusitis. So let's say somebody has sinusitis. Well, what could be going on? And again, I just kind of alluded to this, but infection is is a, sometimes a misleading term. We think of infection of like, oh, I got a sinus infection. Like, I really need to stay home this week and I really need to take my antibiotics or whatever, you know, the standard American would think. But We've got bacteria in our body all the time. I mean, I think we all know this with the gut. We've got 10 pounds of bacteria in our gut. But the same thing is true in our ear, nose, and sinus. All this epithelial tissue is very, very similar. The gut is very, very similar to the sinus. In fact, recently, I had a patient, and we were talking about his gut at first, and I showed him a picture, and it was like a, from, a, from, from a study, from literature, and it was like a picture of the gut and how when it gets jacked up, it causes this in inflammatory response. And there's mast cell in the picture. There's an eosinophil in the picture, TH2 response and different things like that. And then later on in our appointment, we were talking about the sinuses. And I pulled up another picture. And I was like, look at this, Todd. That's the exact same picture. They're the, and they're the same. I mean, they're not identical. But they are epithelial. They're mucus secreting epithelial tissue. Um, and, and they're really, really you know similar tissues that got in the sinuses. But you, so you have bacteria up there all the time. Like you have staph up there all the time, but it's not always pathogenic. There's a term in the mold world, it's very famous in the mold world, called MARCONS. And MARCONS is an acronym. It stands for Multiple Antibiotic Resistant Coagulase Negative Staphylococcus, staph. So you get these coagulase negative staph and they drive this inflammatory process in the sinuses and and 
you know, that's really common. But you often, some of these people, they're asymptomatic as far as their, their, their sinus symptoms, but they've got these different bugs up there driving this inflammation. Those bugs hide in something called biofilm. So staph is a, or a Marcon's is a biofilm infection. And I have a YouTube video called How I Got Rid of Nasal Polyps with Essential Oils. And I, just, I go through this concept of biofilms. Biofilms are really, 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 really important concept to understand when we're talking about sinuses because we get things up there that are hiding in biofilms. And so taking like, you know, a five-day round of antibiotics or something is not doing jack for these biofilm communities that are stored deep in the sinuses or deep in, the, in those, those epithelial tissues. Uh, biofilm infections can be asymptomatic. Biofilms also might have more than one thing. So let's say you get a strep throat and they, they say, hey, it's strep. Th- that doesn't mean that that's the only thing living in there, right? I mean, there's staph, there's, there's mold, there's other things. So I, I think that to target only one of these things is, is a little bit short-sighted. And I think that, again, using just antibiotics is a little bit short-sighted because the fungal involvement is often there. But even biofilms, like there are products like uh, Zlear is how I would pronounce it, but it's X. It's like the word clear with an X. But the reason it starts with an X is because it's xylitol-based, and xylitol is a good biofilm buster. So Zlear is a good nose spray. We, we, we have it in our office. Um, because it's a biofilm buster, but those you need to bust those biofilms in some cases. Now that's one of my levels that I'm going to talk about. But bust those biofilms with essential oils, with Zlear, you know, whatever. Um, the next thing is that sinus infections, these pathogens. The reason that this matters so much is they drive what's called a Th17 response, and often, it, it, you know, to me in the autoimmune world, it's like this Th2 and TH17 co-dominance. TH2 is inflammation in hollow spaces, gut inflammation, sinus inflammation, lung inflammation. People who had a tendency towards ear infections, upper respiratory infections, urinary tract infections, gut food sensitivities, allergies, things like that, that's going to be more TH2 dominant. TH17 is tissue-damaging autoimmune inflammation. So those are the people that get quite severe with their neuroinflammation or their autoimmune progression. And, and so like strep, the, the body, TH17 is directed against strep because it kills it. Extracellular fungi and bacteria d- drive a TH17 response. So TH17 is a useful response, but if you have an all-the-time TH17 response from the gut or from the sinuses, you're going to have this autoimmune fire that is, you know, burning down your house. You could have sinus inflammation your entire life and not have this autoimmune progression that's really flooring you. And that's just maybe more the TH2 dominance. But when you get the TH2 and TH17, that's when it's really important. And and not just strep, but intranasal infections preferentially drive a TH17 response. And then you're getting these cytokines that are associated with this TH17 response. And those cytokines are able to travel right up the olfactory bulb, right into the brain, where they light that thing up with inflammation. So that's important. The next one would be mast cells and histamine. Mast cells line epithelial tissue. So I mean, most people, if they're you know, know what a mast cell is, they know that histamine and nose, like that's what most people would think of when you think of histamine. Is like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't have a runny nose. Why would I have a histamine problem? But 
so we know that mast cells line the sinuses. We know that mast cells are implicated in things like MS lesions and, and rheumatoid arthritis, even in the peripheral joints and things like that. But uh, mast cells and histamine. And again, I'll just leave it at that. But I, I could do an entire podcast about that. I mean, I, I have done entire podcasts about that. But mast cells and histamine are just, it's just so prevalent these days. And all this too, you guys, COVID, you know, I didn't really talk about COVID, but this is how COVID works. It comes in. It infects your sinuses and your lungs and and drives this cytokine storm and this ongoing inflammatory response that never gets quenched quenched out. Um, so yeah, mast cells and histamine. Um, mycotoxins. So let's say you have a mold colonization in your sinuses. And, and so that's like a mold colony, just like it would be in your basement. Mold likes dark, warm, moist places like your sinus. So it's growing in your sinus just like it would be growing in your basement. Well, then it can produce mycotoxins. Those are mold toxins and mycotoxins. So that means that like you have a toxin factory inside your body. It's not like you live next door to the plastic factory. You have a mycotoxin factory inside your body when you have sinus or gut colonization, and especially sinus colonization because those mycotoxins can just ride that olfactory elevator right up to the brain. Speaking of which, too, this is not on my notes, so I'm just kind of jumping around, but olfactory, I, have, I didn't have a sense of smell for 10 years, more than 10 years. I, I, I always remember it. It was not like you know it turned off in one day. But I always remember when I went to Vietnam, I couldn't smell because everyone complained that it smelled in certain places. And I was like, I had no problem. Certainly when I, you know, changed my kids' diapers and stuff like that, I haven't had a sense of smell for years, decades, which is scary to me because that's the first sign of Parkinson's. But I didn't have any other symptoms, but it's it's certainly associated. And so is this inhalational stuff. But as I have healed from mold toxicity and healed my sinuses, now my sense of smell, it's not 100%, but it's like... 70 30 that I could smell 70% of the time. And if I, like, let's say you're going to put me in a smelling contest, I could take the right supplements and I could turn it on like that. You know, when I do things that are good for my body, when I empty my toxic bucket, when I sauna, when I nebulize, when I take glutathione and things like that, my smell will turn back on. And throughout the years, it would be like every time I did something good for my mitochondria, my smell would turn back on just for a little bit. Like, you know, for a week. I, first time I did a ketogenic diet, smell turned back on. First time I did a lot of glutathione, smell turned back on, but then it didn't stay. And I'd add a little mitochondrial supports and, oh, my smell would turn back on. So that was always a good sign to me that I was on the right track. But this olfactory nerve damage, olfactory bulb damage is, is really concerning. But that's, that's, again, the free ride, the elevator right up into the brain. Um, and I think I maybe just already mentioned this, but yeah, it's mycotoxins and, and there's no, the, the, the olfactory bulb, there's no blood brain barrier. So some of these things can cross the blood brain barrier. Like mycotoxins are known to cross the blood brain barrier and are known to accumulate in the brain. Uh, that's a well, well established thing, uh, scientifically, but, uh, they, 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 when they get into the olfactory bulb, they can get just right across with like, you know, they got snuck right into the concert with no, no bouncer at the door. Um, Okay, so what are the four levels for healing this? You know, because that's where our answers come in. And, and so uh, let's just go right into it. So level one is you have to breathe clean air. That's like a duh, but there's a million pieces to that puzzle. So first is mold. 
mold, 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 mold. Water damaged buildings is a better term because it could be bacteria. It could be LPS and endotoxins that are released in water damaged buildings. But water damaged buildings host mold, bacteria, tons of stuff. And you breathe that crap in and it gets right into your sinuses and colonizes your sinuses. This is the most common population for this is the mold population. But who's not exposed to mold in America? So let's say that somebody doesn't fit the mold box, but they have Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. Do I not think that their air quality matters? You better freaking believe I think it matters, and you better believe that I think that they've been exposed to mold too. But you just want to breathe clean air. You know, one time I had this patient, she's like, well, my husband just doesn't really believe this. I was like, believe what? We're talking about breathing clean air. Like, we're just, that's all we were talking about was just breathing clean air. Like, my husband doesn't believe in mold was what she was saying. But, um, yeah, so uh, that's level one. So for that, you testing is important and knowing what your air is like is important. You know, you can have your house mold tested. You can have formaldehyde meters and things like that. But otherwise, let's say you've knocked out some of those big things, then it's air purifiers. I think an air purifier is is really, 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 really important. I run an air purifier 24-7, 365. We're just starting to carry even another brand that are just like small, smaller, a little more affordable that can go you know, room by room, but I, I have my air purifier actually turned off right now just so I can record this podcast. But as soon as I'm done, I'll turn it right back on. That's one thing. Air purifiers, clean your air. No matter what you're breathing, no matter where you're breathing it, just breathe cleaner air. Um, along those lines, I'll also put like uh, nicer filters in my HVAC system. So like here at the office, I actually have a filter that's activated charcoal and what's called potassium permanganate. Potassium permanganate filters out formaldehyde. And it's maybe like a $75 air filter as opposed to the $20 one that, that you know normally goes in there. So it's more expensive. But to me, there's nothing more valuable than breathing clean air. I think it'll actually a decent amount of coin into breathing clean, clean air because um, it's worth it to me. Um, there's also mold neutralizing candles. You can do diffusers. There's ionizers. I'm about to buy an ionizer. You can do foggers. You can do ozone. You know, we'll do that occasionally. Like I ozoned my truck last weekend. Um, I fogged my garage recently. I fogged. I actually did a little fogging earlier today. Uh, and and you know, so you can fog or put this mist of this antibacterial, antifungal stuff just to kill whatever might be in the environment. You know, they'll 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 do that in a schools and hospitals, you know, just cleaning the air. Um, but doing it with, with non-pharmaceuticals, with non-toxic things, doing it with an essential oil-based, you know, mist. Ionizer is the next thing on my list. Um, I'm about to buy one because Don Dennis, the, the ENT that I talked about, he raved about it. So I was like, sold. That's it. Uh, I have it pulled up right here. It's called Ultimatum USA, Ultimatum's Ion Series. Uh, of airborne mitigation systems, uh, so uh, I'm 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 gonna buy it. Um, but yeah, that's level one. You got to breathe clean air. That's that goes without saying, I think. But you got to breathe clean air, even if you live in Salt Lake, if you live in LA, just filter your air, whatever. I think the outside air is better than inside air. Um, the solution to pollution is dilution. So when you're breathing outside air, you know it's just more diluted. And opening the opening the the windows and things like that. Obviously, you can have allergens to trees and ragweed and things like that. But breathe clean air. Now, level two, level two to this uh, is fix your gut. 
and fix permeability in general. You know, I don't, this doesn't mean that the, the gut doesn't matter, but let's say you have a lot of sinus issues, you have a lot of gut, uh, a lot of sinus inflammation, a lot of sinusitis, and you don't have anything living up there. Well, maybe you're just chronically inflamed, you know, and, and so histamine uh, and just permeability and just that TH2 dominance. And so that might be things like glutathione. Glutathione is the master because glutathione protects the barriers. And glutathione is also the master for the sinuses and lungs. The sinus and lung epithelium has more glutathione than any cells in the body um, and also does more cytochrome P450 activity, which is detoxification, than any cells in the body, which I think is absolutely fascinating because it's like more than the liver because where is the first place that toxins are seen? It's in the sinus and and lung mucosa, Um, but glutathione, glutathione, glutathione. Glutathione is also depleted in most, if not all, ENT issues. There's a great paper that's been published about that. Mold toxins will deplete glutathione in a dose-dependent fashion. Um, and then it leads to this maladaptive TH2 response, which I spoke about earlier. Um, but glutathione, glutathione, glutathione. You can also nebulize glutathione. That's a great application for what we're talking about, to get it right into the sinus and lung tissue, and even into the brain. Um, we sell a nebulized glutathione, a glutathione that's made specifically for a nebulizer. Vitamins D and A are really important for just permeability, you know, gut permeability, lung permeability, same difference there. Short-chain fatty acids, also really, 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 really important. So if somebody was just going on, let's say, like a quote-unquote permeability protocol, it might be remove their allergens, remove the antigens that we know about, and then just heal this heal this barrier integrity and focus on permeability with glutathione, vitamin D, vitamin A, short-chain fats, maybe probiotics, maybe you need to fix a gut infection as well. Um, and maybe sometimes you need to modulate the immune system with like antihistamines, mast cell stabilizers, or, or like a TH2 modulator, which is a supplement or perilla or quercetin or different herbs. Um, but that's kind of level two. You do have to you, breathe, you have to breathe clean air. No, none of this is going to fix if you don't breathe clean air. And then and then level two is you, then you have to fix like the other things besides just breathing clean air. Then we get into the sinuses. Then we get into like what can we do up here? So that's level three. Level three is kill any infections. So that's broad. There's a bunch of things you can use. I've got some of them listed here. But I think overall. It's not about what supplement do I use. It's more about understanding these overall concepts of like rotating different things that we're going to talk about, rotating different herbs, rotating different killers, rotating different biofilm busters, and being persistent and understanding biofilms and just knowing that you might have to do this four times a day, every day for the next 30 days or you know something like that. You need to be persistent with these biofilms. You need to keep them guessing. You need to switch it up and, and things like that. So... You can use things like colloidal silver. I don't use colloidal silver because I've heard some horror stories, but my good friend right down the road who's my chiropractor, he swears by a colloidal silver nose spray. My mom swears by it. I, was, I spoke at a seminar today. Today's Saturday that I'm recording this. I spoke at a, at a seminar earlier today, and one of the other speakers talked about how he uses colloidal silver for these sinus infections. I don't, again, but it, it's out there for sure. Um, you can use things like iodine hydrogen peroxide and you need to know where you're 
where you're using these at, you can nebulize these things. You can put them in a neti pot, some of them. But some of you can gargle too because the tonsils, the, it's the ear, nose, and throat is all these areas. And, and I even have a study that I'll often show people, and it says that bacterial biofilms in the adenoids of pediatric patients are, uh, associate, are responsible for the maintenance, the maintenance they maintain chronic inflammatory upper airway reactivities and, and so, that are associated with ear infections. So it's saying the adenoids keep that tissue inflamed, that ENT tissue inflamed, and same thing with tonsils. That's why they remove tonsils and adenoids. I've had my adenoids removed twice, so most people don't know that they grow back, but apparently they do, but kill any infections. Um, The number one thing that I like for that, you guys, is essential oils. And there's amazing studies on essential oils and their anti-mycotoxin effects, anti-mold effects, and anti-biofilm effects. There's even some studies for biofilms of like vagus nerve, fighting biofilms of humic and fulvic acids. You know, there's a lot of things that are have anti-biofilm activity. Um, but nebulizer and a neti pot are my two tools. And nose sprays. Nose sprays, nebulizers, and neti pots, the three ends. The nose sprays are the easiest, obviously. Spray stuff up there. So you can use things. We sell like citri drops is a good uh, pre-made blend. Propolis is another really good one. You can put uh, like Aqualorn is another supplement that we use as biofilm buster and killer that you could put into a nose spray. Um, So some of these are pre-purchased, pre-made, or some of these are like DIY, make your own like with Aqualorn. I happen to have one sitting right here. I have a regular Propolis nose spray sitting right here. And I have a Propolis nose spray with frankincense in it. And again, that's just easy. So if I could like lay out kind of a sample protocol for somebody, it might be like do a neti pot in the shower in the morning before you leave for the day, if, if, you, know, if you leave for the day. But uh, do a neti pot in the morning. Then do a nose spray like throughout the day, a few times, and then maybe nebulize in the evening or something like that. Now, um, I'll talk about what you could put in there, but that, that might be the application. Now, nebulizers too, I'll talk about the evolution of nebulizers because my first nebulizer, I've kind of walked this walk, my first nebulizer is like the typical one that plugs into a wall and it's a pain. I mean, it's not bad, but you got to sit there and have it plugged into the wall. So you just can't like walk around. I, where I'm going with this is my next one is handheld. It's way easier. I've got it sitting right in front of me right now. It's filled with Aqualorn right now. I was nebulizing earlier today before my seminar you can nebulize again, Aqualorn. I keep throwing that out there, um, which is a great one for biofilm busting and for killing things. Um, you can nebulize essential oils. You can nebulize iodine, hydrogen peroxide, different things like that. Um, you can nebulize glutathione again. So the evolution, though, is the the plug-in one is the worst. Then this, uh, you know, regular. Nebulizer is is the next best because you can walk around. Like I'll probably sauna after this, and I'll probably take the nebulizer in the sauna with me. Just kill two birds with one stone. Um, but then I also just got this new nebulizer that my boy Don Dennis recommended, and it's called the Rhino Clear Sprint. Rhino, like the rhinoceros, um, and it's and also like rhino sinusitis too, I guess. But um, I guess that's probably what rhinoceros. That's I guess that's where the name comes from. Um, 
but it was it, it it instead of taking ten minutes, they say that it only takes thirty seconds to two minutes to do a nose treatment. Now I've been doing it. I don't I don't know that I like it. it it's kind of wetter, I would say, but it's an atomizer and it's just a faster application for a kid or for something like that to get them to you know stick stick to it. Um, but essential oils. Now you're going to ask now which essential oils? Well, like almost all of them have antifungal properties or antibacterial properties. Tea tree is a great one. Frankincense is a great one. It's obviously expensive. The citrus oils, I don't use the citrus oils personally in a neti pot, but they do have antifungal properties, peppermint and spearmint, and some of those have antifungal, antibacterial properties. I mean, literally, the problem with essential oils is like almost all of them have antifungal properties. You would not want to use like an oregano oil, which might be one of the best. You would never want to use that in a neti pot. Um... So, or a nebulizer, I don't think, but there's a lot, a, a variety of these, of these, you know, essential oils that you can use. And I do, neti pot was how I had my, like, you know, where I pass a nasal polyp. And if you see, if you, I'll, I'll link the YouTube video in this show notes, but I, you, I show it, you know, I videoed it. So I had a nasal polyp and it came down the back of my throat and I hocked it out. And I've had this happen more than once. And then I videoed it because I was sending the video to my dad. My dad's a dentist. He's he's mildly fascinated by some of these things like I am. But, you know, I've been through some sick struggles sinus-wise, nasal polyps, had to go on steroids, been diagnosed with asthma, all the things, mold-wise and stuff like that. And, you know, my dad was the one that took me to the ER when I had to go to the ER. Um, and he was the one that made me go to the ER because I was wheezing so bad that it was like, we got to go to the hospital. Um, and Because I, I was, you know, very, very anti-medicine but uh still had to go to the er then went to the ent wasted my time all this all the things um but yeah that's level three you got to kill the stuff um and and also too with that you can absolutely use pharmaceuticals i don't and i don't suggest it but like my encouragement is that you you just don't forget about the fungal part and that's what don dennis would say too is like do a nasal rinse with amphotericin you can do you know different other pharmaceuticals but just do not only attack the the bacteria do not only use antibiotics you've got to go at it with some antifungals and some other things or like beg nose spray is common for marcons and stuff so there are there are pharmaceuticals for this as well but that's just not my scope and then level four level four is like maintain you know so let's say that for me i'm at level four i've breathed clean air i try to fix my gut you know if i started getting some sinus stuffiness or something it gut would be my first one of my first places to look of like what why am i just more inflamed or what's going on just in general with my health and a lot of times when i clean up my diet clean up my gut my sinuses or whatever might improve um but then that's just like rinse regular, like nasal rinses regularly. That just keeps crap out of there, whether it's dust or particulate matter or whatever else. Rinse regularly. I still do a neti pot with essential oils, you know, at least three days a week, probably. I still nebulize. I still just do, I run air purifiers all the time. I'm just, I'm scared of it coming back, but I'm not like, I'm not living in fear. I just know that bad air drives disease. So I, clean my air. I run air purifiers. I do fogging. I do things that most normal people don't do. And I would say too, even in this space, I am way more particular about my air than I am about my food. 
and I think that everybody should be. I'm not saying that I'm not particular enough about my food. I think that when you are more particular about your air, you don't need to be as particular about your food. But it's like, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? You still got to clean up your diet as part of fixing this. But yeah. So this went longer than I thought, but I think it's good. But level one, breathe clean air. You can do purifiers, you can do ozoners, you can do uh, you know what, whatever whatever the the thing is. There's all this all this controversy and just talk about it, but everybody agrees that we got to breathe clean air. Meaning, in the mold world, there's uh, there's controversy about does fogging work, does ozoning work, does this work? Um, and, and it's more of a big picture that you need to breathe clean air. Whatever's in there, you got to get rid of it, and you've got to do whatever it takes to breathe breathe clean air. Then level two, you've got to fix your, your gut and your immune system in general. You know, you can't have leaky, leaky barriers. You can't have glutathione depleted. You can't have low vitamin D or things like that. It's, it's going to affect your barrier, your barrier integrity, let's say. Then level three, then you can get up into the sinuses, start killing stuff with silver, essential oils, iodine, hydrogen peroxide, nebulizers, neti pots, and nose sprays, the three ends. And then level four is like maintain that, rinse regularly, breathe, keep breathing your clean air, um, etc. So, boom, it's everything sinus, my favorite topic. Again, gaining massive popularity, uh, but... The, in the way that I healed my sinuses, you know, if people would want to know like, hey, how'd you heal your sinuses? What I did was not glamorous or sexy. It was I studied every piece of uh, ear, nose, and throat literature. I know more about the ENT literature than most ENTs I would, I, would, I would challenge and I would accept that challenge if somebody challenged me. So I'm obviously not trying to sound overconfident, but I'm very, 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 very well versed in this immunology and in their, 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 their literature. Because when you understand the mechanisms, then you can figure out your solution. So that's what I did was dove into these mechanisms. And now what I'm doing with this podcast is taking you know years of studying and thousands of papers, <laughs> literally, it does not exaggeration, thousands of, of research papers, and, and condensing it into a 45-minute podcast that will hopefully yield you some similar results because it has been life-changing to be able to breathe clean air. It changed my brain. It changed everything. It's life-changing even just to be able to smell. If I was going to lose any sense, it'd be smell. So I don't, I don't, I don't, it, it, I, I, rather than sight or anything else, of course. Um, but it's great to have it back. And anyway, I hope the same for, for everybody else. And it's also something that if you have an autoimmune journey, if you have a brain-based journey, maybe it's something that you haven't been thinking of. Sinuses, their direct access to the brain, the stuff that can be up there, the stuff that can live up there, even if it's just cytokines and inflammation. Um, yeah. So leave us a rating and a review. I've got more podcasts coming up that I have planned. I have no timeline on those, but keep following. Stay tuned. Uh, join our email list, uh, whatever else. Follow me on Instagram. Jump on that YouTube channel based on, uh, through, the, through the link in the show notes. And I'll talk to you guys next time.